I think I have my new favorite song. That one is awesome. So, hey, before I jump in to the sermon this morning, I just want to say thank you if this is your first time here. Man, we're pumped you're here. My name's Adam. Uh, I'm the lead pastor. Uh, Got to take care of uh, a big announcement here. So Amanda and Lauren, I don't see you because I'm not looking very good, but if you guys could come up here real quick. Amanda and Lauren. Uh, so Amanda, got to talk about Amanda first. Uh, Amanda is our G-Kids director. I don't know if you know that, but she's been directing G-Kids. Um, she also runs every major event we do. I don't know if you know that, but if Egg Drop, Amanda behind the scenes. Blue Tip, Amanda behind the scenes. First Friday, Amanda behind the scenes. Blocktober, Amanda behind the scenes. We just keep going, right? Um, so she's been directing G-Kids. We were trying to figure this out this morning. Think seven years-ish, a little, little bit longer maybe than that. Um, and we've seen it grow, man. So when we first started, I think we were like 20, 30 kids. And then, uh, well, last year, before all this hit, it was at like 70. So it was, it really, you know, it almost more than, more than doubled uh, under her leadership. Um, but I don't know if you guys, I don't know if everybody knows that. I feel like some of you don't. Amanda is a volunteer. Did you know that? Um, she also has a full-time job that she is also good at. She also has triplets, three, all different, full of energy children, 11 years old, and her husband's kind of on the road a lot, so she's doing it. And I know you're sitting there thinking, well, how does she do it? The answer is, I have no idea. Uh, my theory is that there are actually two of her, and they just coordinate so they're never in the same room. That's, that's how I think you do it. Oh, that's, that's my theory. Um, so we started talking last year and Amanda has decided that now is the time uh, for her to step back from leadership in G-Kids so that she can more focus on the outreaches that we hope we get to do this year. Uh, so with everything going on in her life, she's going to step back from G-Kids leadership uh, starting now. Um, but man, I just want to like back up and look at it, Amanda. For seven years, you've led... Uh, crazy, uh, it's our biggest ministry. You've, you've sung up there with those kids, horribly, horribly off-key, but you've sung. You've, you've acted. <laughs> she's totally improved. Um, she's acted in silly skits to get the kids involved. She's taught Bible stories. She's printed thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of curriculum. Uh, she's endured many a service where the pastor won't shut up and she's up there longer than she should, right? Uh, but most importantly, she's loved those kids. Um, and there's this, this old cheesy Christian song called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And you've probably never heard of it because you're... You haven't, you, haven't been, you haven't been a Christian as long as I have. And it's a song about this guy... Um, who gets to heaven and he's walking around and someone comes up and kind of taps him on the shoulder and starts thanking him for this thing that he did, this impact that he had on his life he didn't even really know he had. And the guy's like, you're like part of the reason I'm here. And uh, <laughs> I guess I just, and then a li like a line forms of people thanking this guy for what he'd done and he didn't even really realize he'd done it. I guess I told you, um, there you go. <laughs> One day, you're going to be walking in heaven, and you're going to get a tap, <laughs> and you're going to turn around, and there are going to be hundreds of kids lined up to thank you for giving to the Lord. Um, so, sorry, gosh, you know, 
You've done, I think you've had a bigger impact than you, you would even know. So um, I, was, I was supposed to not cry. I was supposed to be able to get through that. So how dare you? But your leadership, your organization, your passion, thank you, Amanda. Thank you. So we have a position to fill. Amanda's going to slip this side and focus on our outreach. So Lauren has volunteered to step up and be our new G Kids director. So very excited about this. Um, she's got some big shoes to fill, uh, but it was cool. I always like when I, when I talk to people about like accepting leadership positions, uh, I get nervous when they're like, yes, before I finish the sentence, when they're a little hesitant, that actually lets me know that they know how serious it is. So it's pretty cool having a conversation with Lauren. She wasn't like, yes, but she was like, I'll pray about it. And um, I, she really felt like God was leading her in this direction. So Lauren is going to step in to lead this. So uh, I want to to call them up here for two reasons, to thank Amanda, which I think we, we just did, and then I wanted to pray for Lauren as she steps into this. So if you could, how about you stand right here and we'll just pray for you in your new position here. Jesus, um, thank you for, for everything you've done through Amanda, Lord. Uh, you've gifted her and, and, and just worked through her passion and her tenacity in this ministry, Lord. I just thank you for these years. And I, I pray that you would now uh, put your, your mantle on, on Lauren, Lord. Uh, help her to lead this well, Lord. Help her to, to see all the angles that are going to come at her this year uh, and to love and to organize and to lead well uh, through this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thank you, too. All right. You guys, are, you guys rock. You guys rock. I wouldn't do it. I... I don't mean that. I mean, when I first started volunteering at church, I was like, you know, when in small church, you're the pastor of like everything. So I was in charge of G Kids at one point. I think there was like two kids. It was awesome. I think I shrunk it down to one because one didn't want to come back. It was horrible. All right. So I'm excited today, man. Uh, welcome to day one of 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. So if you don't know, uh, if you weren't here last week, you're tuning in for the first time, uh, we're starting today 21 days where we're going we're gonna to give some stuff up in the physical uh, in order to, to more deeply connect in the spiritual. So uh, that starts today. So if you messed up and you had a Pop-Tart for lunch or for, for breakfast, it's okay. You can start now. I just wanted you to know that. It's okay. Um, we're starting today together as a church. So, um, all right. 1776, one of the most important events happened in modern history in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. On the fourth day of July, the 13 colonies declared independence from the British Empire. Uh, some of the most famous names in our country's history are on that document, right? Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Herbie Hancock. I'm sorry. That, okay, I'm, I'm happy more of you got that than just one. Uh, John Hancock, I know who he is. Uh, perfect handwriting. Um, but we would no longer be ruled by a tyrant king 3,000 miles away. More, no more taxation without representation. We're going to drink coffee, not tea. Thank you very much, right? We're going to drive on the right side of the road, not the wrong side. You can keep your metric system. We have our own way of measuring things. We're going to play football, not soccer. Down with King George, right? Okay. So independence. It's like an American thing, right? It's, it's DNA level for us. But 
Um, by the way, I wrote this intro on Monday, if it's weird for you. I, I just kept it. Um, independence. I'm going to say something controversial now. I think independence, good for countries, bad for you. Good for countries, bad for you. That if you live a completely independent life, you're going to miss out on so much. Your, your life will not look the way it should. You're going to miss out. You'll, you'll be devoid of God's power and presence if you choose to live a completely independent life. If you choose to live a completely independent life, you will live below God's calling in your life because he called you to something higher than that. If you live a completely independent life, you will never experience all God has for you because he's calling you to something bigger than you. So, when we fast, we're actually doing the opposite of a declaration of independence. Fasting, these, these 21 days that we're embarking on today, they are our declaration of dependence. We're telling God that we can't do this on our own. We need him. Now, let's be honest. Fasting's not super popular among Christians, right? I've never heard anybody say the sentence, I can't wait to not eat, right? That's, that just never happened. It's not a super uh, popular, exciting, like fad kind of thing. And it's, I would say, a pretty easy thing to ignore in the Bible, even though it is all over the Bible. But look at what Jesus says to the Pharisees when they ask him uh, why his disciples aren't fasting in Matthew 9, 15. So his disciples were not fasting, and here's what Jesus says. Do wedding guests mourn while while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday, the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So, so Jesus is kind of in this illustration. He's the groom. His disciples are the, are the wedding party. He's saying, hey, like at a wedding, you don't fast. Like we're, we're doing this right now. But when I'm gone, they will. And he says they will. It's not even a command. Have you, have you ever, if you do this with your kids, like you, you don't tell your kids to do something. You tell them that the thing is going to happen. Does anybody do that? Like I, I, it's past command time now. I'm just telling you the way it's going to be. It's not, I'm not asking you to clean your room. I'm telling you your room will be clean, right? A little bit of threat involved there, right? But that's kind of where, this is the level Jesus is at here, right? He's saying, hey, it's not that I'm commanding you to fast. I'm just saying it's gonna, it's gonna be a thing. You, 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 it's gonna be a part of the life of people who follow me. So he assumed it. It was a description of our life. Not a prescription, but a description. Hey, you're gonna. You're gonna. So I I guess I I always try to get inside your mind. Uh, It's weird, I know, but I think about you a lot. Um, What you could be thinking, like, what does food have to do with my relationship with God? Right? They They don't seem related on the surface, right? What does the cheeseburger I want to eat for lunch have to do with with my relationship with the creator of the universe. They don't seem very connected. So um, if, if that's something you've, you've ever thought before, man, I want you to know, like, Christians believe uh, it, that there is a physical reality, also believe that there is a spiritual reality, right? So we obviously believe in the physical. Everybody believes in the physical, right? Sun, moon, earth, animals, plants, and, and, and a, a body, right? Everybody believes that those things exists. But as Christians, we also believe in an unseen reality, right? Heaven, hell, angels, demons, Satan, God, and a soul. So, so we, we don't believe that we just have a body. We believe there is something spiritual inside of us, a, a spiritual being inside of us. 
And we also believe that these two worlds interact in ways that we don't fully understand. The physical affects the spiritual. The spiritual affects the physical. It's not always obvious how it works, but we believe that it's happening. So when we fast, we're telling our physical body, no. We're telling our urges, no. We're telling our our deep desires, our feelings. We're telling our feelings, no. And what that does is we believe that kind of weakens our connection to the physical in order to kind of open, widen, deepen the connection in the spiritual. Look at what Jesus says to Satan when Jesus was fasting in John chapter four, or, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So obviously there's, there's nourishment in the physical, but Jesus says, hey, there's also nourishment in the spiritual. And Jesus was taking time saying, I'm going to push the, the physical nourishment to, a, to the side for a time so that I can more deeply uh, consume the spiritual nourishment. So I believe that fasting helps us disconnect from the physical in, in order to more fully connect in the spiritual. If you were here last week, Uh, We talked about the idea that there are some things in the spiritual that don't move without prayer and fasting. It was a crazy revelation that Jesus gave to the disciples. He said, hey, there's some stuff sometimes in the spiritual that doesn't move without prayer and fasting. Which again is just like, whoa, I would have never, if Jesus wouldn't have told me that, I would have never guessed that, hey, in order to move some stuff in the spiritual, sometimes you got to go without for a while in the physical. I would have never thought that, but Jesus tells us. And listen, I don't get it. I don't understand how it works, but Jesus said it. And if Jesus is, is, is like probably the guy we should listen to on this, right? He's the only one who has his foot firmly planted in the physical and the spiritual. So if he says, hey, come here, I want to pull the curtain back on the physical for just a minute. And I want to show you what that does here. And that's what he did, right? He said, hey, when you fast, this moves. It's, it shakes over here. When you do this in the physical, this is what happens in the spiritual. If Jesus is telling us that, man, we should, we should listen to that. And as I was studying, man, as I've been studying this, I feel, I almost feel embarrassed. I'm like, my gosh, we haven't done this enough. Like, we need to be, we need to do this more. Because if, if it's true that there are things in your life in the spiritual that, that don't move unless you, you spend some time praying and fasting, yikes. Like, we got to get after this. So, uh, I am going to stop short of used car salesmen today, but I am going to really lean on you to participate in this, just so you know, it's like I'm full disclosure. I really want you to participate in this with us. I really want you for the next 21 days to take some things out of your life in the physical and add some things in in the spiritual. I really want you to participate. So I hope God's been working on your heart. So real quick, I just want to review the, the, the different ways you can fast. I know we talked about last week. We've been posting them all over Facebook and sending you emails. I'm just going to be annoying. I'm like a little pest in your ear. Like, hey, 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 hey. But here's just one real quick review. There's a complete fast. You could just go without eating completely. That's, that's one way. That's what you know, Jesus, that's how Jesus did it. He just didn't eat it all. Um, there's, there's a selective fast where you could take different things in your diet out. So you could pick some different things. This is called kind of Daniel fast. Daniel in, in Daniel chapter 10, he pulled some things out of his diet. He didn't stop completing eating completely, but he pulled meat. He pulled some other things out. So maybe, maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need to pull some things out of your diet. There's also something called a, a partial fast, which some people call intermittent fasting, where you could, uh, the, the Jewish custom was to fast from sunup to sundown. 
So they basically just pulled some meals out, right? So I'm not going to eat lunch, or, or maybe I'm not going to eat lunch and breakfast. I'm just going to eat one meal a day. You could do that. Um, and then obviously there's, there's something you can call it whatever you want, like a soul fast, where it's not food, it's something else. Where you're going to pull something else out of your life, right? And these days, the thing we give up always has to do with a screen, right? I mean, it's everybody, if you're not giving up some kind of food, it's some kind of social media. Um, maybe it's the news. Maybe you need to give up the news. Um, I, we, will, we will let you know if the apocalypse happens. You don't have to read. We'll just, we'll tell you, okay? Uh, you'll, you'll know. Um, so, uh, can, I, can I be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold. I'm not even going to ask. I'm going to be bold. If you came up to me and you said, all right, Adam, I've been thinking about this. Like, what do you think I should do? I, I want to participate in the 21 days. What, what, would you, what would you tell me? Here's what I would say. Um, I would say, in some way, include food in what you're giving up. So, so one of them. Maybe, maybe you take a couple of days and you, and you just go complete. Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've never done that. Maybe you just take a couple of days. You know, I'm not saying the whole 21, but a couple of days you just say, no, I'm not doing this. But then maybe you pick some other stuff that you kind of rely on. You know, maybe it's the Starbucks run that you do every day that you, that you say, I can't do my life without this. Maybe you need to like do your life without that, <laughs> right? Maybe there's some different things in your diet that you need to pull. Because I think we... <laughs> You know, it's classically you get addicted to alcohol and drugs, but some of us are addicted to sugar, right? So, so maybe there's some things you need to pull out. I, I would say, man, pick some kind of food element to your fast. And then I would say, not only that, I would also add in something else. I would, man. If you're, you look at the time that you spend on your the stupid iPhone, will tell you every week, this is how long, this is your average hours per day staring at your phone. Try to make it lower, right? Remove some things out in your habits. So now you're giving up something that you do in your time. And you're, all you're doing is making room for God, right? I'm going to make room over here because I'm going to take something out of my stomach and allow God to move in the spiritual. And then I'm going to take some stuff out of, my, out of my schedule and allow God to move there. My big thing, just so you guys know, I've been, I went to my uh, bookshelf in my office. I know there's a lot of books it looks like I read a lot, um, but a lot of those I've never touched so, because people give me stuff. So I found like three books. And I'm like, all right, so if I'm not going to be looking at my phone as much, what can I do instead? So I'm like, hey, I'm going to replace it with reading some books about uh, God and, and try to grow where normally I'd be wasting time. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's what I would say to you. Uh, include food and include something in your schedule that you can take out in order to put something else in. Does that make sense? That's what I would tell you. Now, I know some of you, <laughs> you're sitting here thinking, I can't not eat. I can't. I, I, I can't. I'll die. Um, and I just want to say, statistically, you're more likely to die from eating <laughs> than not eating. <laughs> you, it's true. It's true. You can look it up. Um, so, and, and I get it. I get it. Um, but I had a friend uh, tell me one time, and it was really profound. It like, kind of hit me in the face. Uh, she said, being hungry is not an emergency. And I was like, I was like, Okay, <laughs> and you're going to have to think about it for a minute, but, but it feels like an emergency, right? I, we say, I'm starving. No, you're not. You're good. You got some reserves, and you'll be, you'll be just fine, right? You, you, will, you will make it, okay? And I know some of you have medical stuff, and, and you got you to deal with that, but by and large, most of us, man, you, you, can, you can skip a couple meals, and you'll be just fine. You'll make it. You'll make it. Um, so, and I think there's something to that, right? When we say, when we act like I have to have this or I, I need this, what you're, what you're saying is your body is telling you what's up. 
And that's what I want to take these 21 days to say, no, 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 you're not, in, you're not in charge. You're not in charge. So, again, I just sense God wants to move through this. I feel like God wants to move in some places, and he's just kind of waiting for us to, to do something here. So, man, I really, really, really want to encourage you to do this with us, to participate. Let's do this together. I think there's going to be power in that. Now, we're not just supposed to give up food and Facebook, right? Um, there's also an element of prayer that goes with this uh, fasting. So what I want to do, um, you're, I guess what I'm saying is, like, don't just give stuff up and then be, <laughs> my wife was telling me, she's like, I'm nervous for you. It, it wasn't in a good way. Um, that I was going to be just grumpy for the next 21 days, okay? Um, and fair point. Uh, I like food. Okay, I really like food. Um, but my goal now, like I'm trying to shoot just above that. I'm not trying to just give stuff up. I want there to be purpose in this. I don't want um, to just get through it, man. I want to connect with God. So I, what I want to do here real quick is I want to show you five places in the Bible where people fasted and they all kind of had different motives, different things they were after. And I'm going to give you fr- like five kind of broad categories that you probably will be able to fit whatever God wants to do in your life and in your heart, okay? So, so five places. Uh, the first one happens in the book of Judges that I want to look at. Uh, so a little backstory. The people of Israel are at war. They've uh, had two days of battles, two, and they've lost 40,000 troops two days in. So they retreat, regroup, and uh, they take a minute. And in Judges chapter 20, verse 23, it says this, Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. So so they're in a fight. They're losing. They're losing this fight. By the way, little side note, God called them to this fight that they're losing. That's, that's a, that kind of messes with my brain sometimes when I read that, that they asked ahead of time, Hey God, should we go fight them over there? And, And God says, yeah, go get them. And then they go, day one, get torched, and 22,000 die. Do we, we hear you wrong, God? Like, do you really want us to go fight them? Go get them. 18,000 the next day. So then they retreat, and they're just like, we're going to, we, we got to fast, we got to pray. Well, when they come out of this one, they absolutely work the other, they, they don't just win the battle, they win the war. The next day, it's over. And that messes with me a little bit because God told them to go fight, but then they didn't win until they fasted and prayed. I feel like there's something to that. Again, there's sometimes there's stuff that just doesn't move until we really get desperate for God. So maybe you're in a fight. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you're fighting for something. Maybe you've just been losing for a while. Maybe you've been losing. You're getting your butt kicked, and, and you have an, maybe it's just an area of your life where you just lose and lose and lose, and, and you need to take the fight to another level. And I think that's what fasting will do. Your fasting will allow you to engage that fight on another level. Israel was losing in the physical. They didn't win in the physical until they engaged in the spiritual. And then everything flipped. So one of the motivations you could have is to gain victory in an area where you've been losing. To declare to God, I can't win on my own. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. So that's the first one. Second one happens in a a pretty famous story, actually. Jonah and the whale. Probably heard of it, right? Jonah's a prophet. Gets sent to the city of Nineveh to tell them they're screwing up. And if they don't stop screwing up, they're going to all die. 
Jonah runs the other way. God uses a fish to catch Jonah, which is an ironic reversal of the way humans and fish usually interact. And then he goes and he walks around the city and Jonah pretty much tells him it's over. Hey, you guys done messed up. It's over for you. And when they hear it, man, in, in Jonah chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, look what, look what happens. Uh, then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. Everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. So Jonah says, you guys are screwing up. And the king says, uh-oh. And he declares a fast. So, so one of the motivations you could have for fasting, uh, I'll use a, a big theological word, is repentance. Maybe there's some stuff you're doing in your life, some patterns in your life, some habits in your life that you know are not pleasing to God. Maybe that's where you're at. You just got some areas where you're saying yes, where God wants you to say no. Or you're saying no, where God wants you to say yes. You've got this pattern and you want to break it. Maybe, maybe you just want to say to God, I've been messing up. I've been doing this thing. I know I shouldn't be doing. I don't want that life. I want your life. I want your power. I want your provision. Help me change. I believe fasting is like the perfect place to start. If you've got some, some sinful habits or patterns, you start saying no to yourself in the physical. You, you make these next 21 days your declaration of dependence on God that I can't quit this on my own. I need you. I need you to fix this area of my life. I think he works in that. So maybe you're losing a battle that you want to win. Maybe you're caught in a pattern that you want out of. The third thing uh, is in uh, a book called Ezra in the Bible. Uh, this guy named Ezra is leading a large group of Israelites out of captivity from Persia. So they're, they're stuck in Persia, and now they're coming back. It's a long journey, if I remember correctly, about a thousand miles, right? Um, so before they leave on the journey, Ezra has gotten permission. He's gotten a call from God, all this stuff. Before they leave, in Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, uh, this is what he does. And there by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. So look at this. This is it's really interesting if you actually read the whole story. We don't have time to do that. But um, Ezra was nervous that they weren't going to make it where God wanted them to go. He was nervous. Matter of fact... He told the king when, so he's talking to the Persian king, and he's like, hey, um, we feel like God's called us to do this. God's called us to it. God's going to protect us, da 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 And then he comes back here, and, and in one of the verses in this chapter, he, he admits, he goes, hey, so I told the king that God had us, so I'm too embarrassed to go ask him for a military escort, so now God's got to come through. That was actually like his big motivation. He's like, I don't know, like, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but I did, so now we don't have a military escort. It's a dangerous road. We got to really like beg for God to be the one who protects us. And again, I just want to point out, he was going where God wanted him to go. The journey, the destination was where God wanted him, but he was nervous he wasn't going to make it. And I don't know, I think some of us have that mentality like, well, if God's called me to it, we'll make it. Ezra didn't think so. He, he was worried they were going to get totally beat up, and by the time they made it there, that they weren't going to have much of what they started off with. 
So Urza's like, no, 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 even though I know that's where God wants me to go, I still need him for the journey. So maybe, I don't know, what's your, where are you going this year? Even if you know it's where God wants you, even if you're certain of the destination, still, still, even in that, you need to have a desperation for God to be your provider as you go. You need him for the journey, not just for the destination. Again, I think that's so profound because Christians have that weird, again, you get that, like, Jesus take the weird theology, like, where, ah, if he wants me there, he'll get me there. Well, I mean, you're going to have to walk, though, right? It's going to be a journey, maybe even a fight. You're going to have to do some things. So just because God wants you at that destination does not mean you're going to have to work your way to it. So where does God want you this year? Maybe you're going to fast as a declaration that you can't get there on your own. You need him, you need him, you need him. Another one, this is a good one, it's found in Acts chapter 13. Um, The early church is growing, expanding. So Jesus just died, uh, rose again, ascended to heaven, and the church is exploding. I mean, people getting saved left and right. It's It's just crazy, the amount of stuff happening in the early church. God just moves. But even in that, the church leaders, they're kind of like riding this wave and they don't always know like what they're supposed to do next. So in Acts chapter 13 verses 2 and 3, this is what happens. Uh, One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, uh, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for a special work which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So the church has grown like crazy, and you have some, some really big players in this room who, who are spiritual giants who could strategize with the best of them, and they said, hey, God, we don't, we don't know what to do next. You're, you're moving fast. There's all this stuff going on, but we don't know what to do next. We don't know where to send people next. So they fast and they pray, and God gives them direction. So some of, you, some of you are looking at that last point where I was talking about, you know the destination, but you're worried about getting there. And you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish I knew my destination, right? You're sitting there going, I wish I knew where I was supposed to go. I don't even know what my next step's supposed to be. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And you're, you're jealous of the people who are talking about, oh man, I'm like Ezra. You're like, no, I don't even know where I'm supposed to go. If that's you, this, this one's for you. You need wisdom for your next step? Pray and fast. Prayer and fasting will do it. God, if you want more of the mind of God, you want more of the wisdom of God, pray and fast. So maybe, maybe you're at a crossroads, or maybe you're not even in a crossroads. Maybe you just feel completely lost in the woods. Maybe that's what God wants to do here. Maybe you need to cry out to him to say, hey, I don't know, left, right, straight, I don't know, God. And you lay that at his feet for the next 21 days. You declare, I don't know what to do without you. Last example, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, I already kind of did, but I want to dig a little bit more into it. Jesus fasted. Jesus fasted. And uh, Matthew 4, 1 and 2, kind of tells us the beginning of that story when uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. I love the last couple of words there. In case you didn't know, (laughs) after not eating for 40 days, he was hungry. Um, that's a part of it. So he fasted for 40 days, makes 21, kind of feel JV, just so you know, but hey, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Uh, so I want to point out a side note, and then I'll, I'll talk to the, the, the main thing that I wanted to look at here, but um, Jesus was spiritually attacked during his fast. 
Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, was attacked during his fast. I just wanted to set your expectations if you're ready for this journey and you want to go on this journey that I don't know. I caught myself doing this like I'm going to be a monk walking through a monastery, you know. Like, no, you're going to be in a fight, man. Because if you engage in the spiritual, (laughs) what do you think's over there, guys? Come on. Like, there's going to be pushback. There's going to be a firing back. You think Satan wants you to to, to have direction in your life this year? You, You think he wants you to give that thing up? You think he wants you to make it to that destination? No. He's going to go to work on you. So I just wanted to set our expectations. And I'm trying to encourage you to do this. And you're like, no, that's not helping me want to do this. But listen, you want to see some things move. It's going to, it's going to be a fight. And Jesus, Jesus was, Satan came at him. Satan put him through the ringer. And that might be what's ahead. But I just want to be ready for that. Because I, again, I would say what I'm hoping to see is the outcome is worth it. I'm, I'm willing to get beat up a little bit spiritually to get what I hope God's going to do through this. I'm willing to. So if you get hungry and kind of grumpy, duh, okay? It's, it's a part of it. Um, but that's not the main thing I want to look at this here. So the important part of, of, well, one of the important parts of Jesus' fasting was his timing. Um, he did this fast right before his earthly ministry. So right before he starts, this big, like the reason he came to earth, he did this fast for 40 days. Right before he entered like the next season of his life, right? It was, it was transitional. It was preparing for what God had next. It was a period between sentences. It was a pivot point in his life. It marked one season ending and another beginning. Anybody want that? If you're ready for a new season, you want to get ready for what God has next. Maybe, maybe this is the thing. I don't know, like, maybe your heart's not ready for what you know God has for you. And maybe the, the fasting, maybe this time is supposed to be for God to rearrange some things in here. Maybe God needs to do some work in here for you to be ready for what he has next. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a transitional piece. Maybe it's God saying, hey, slow down, stop for a minute. I gotta, I gotta shift you here before I can send you in to the next season. So, it would be a declaration of dependence and saying, Lord, I can't, I'm not, I don't know what you got now. I, don't, I, I want what you have next and I need you to get it. I need you to, to hit go on this new season, Lord. Beg you to hit go on the new season. So, there's, there's your five examples. Five examples of, of, of possible motivations for participating in this 21-day fast. Maybe you would need to win a battle that feels unwinnable. You've get, been getting beat and you need to win. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you've got some patterns and habits that you need to change. And this 21 days need to be the beginning of that. Maybe you need protection and provision because you're on a journey. You're going somewhere. You know where God wants you to go, but you're not sure you're going to make it. Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you have no idea where God wants you to go. You don't even know what your next step's supposed to be, and you need that. Or maybe, maybe you want to mark the end of one season and the beginning of another. I don't know. Listen, as I was praying this morning, I was going over these in my head. I was walking around downtown Wandsworth, and I'm like, oh, I have all of these. <laughs> I, I've, got, I've got every single one of these somewhere in the things I want to pray about. Um, so I hope something stirs in your heart. So listen, uh, you, got a little, you got a little card when you came in, hopefully. It, 
It was clean, I promise. Um, hopefully you took it. Uh, so on the back, it says things I'm fasting from and things I'm praying for. So I'm hoping you, by the time this, is, this day is over, I'm hoping you have some stuff listed, like, hey, this is what I'm giving up. And then I also hope that God's been laying some stuff on your heart for you to be, pray for in your life. I really, I really hope God's like, hey, like, pray about this, pray about this, pray about this. But also, um, I wanted us to pray about some stuff together. I want, I want to all kind of unify around a couple of things and, and collectively pray about some stuff for our church. So I could give you a really long list. I could take up every single line on that card, uh, but I'll only take up three. And if you write small, maybe you can fit them all in one line because um, I'll keep them real, real short. Um, but can I, I, can I give you three things that I want us to pray about? So if this, if this, if this is your church, if Mosaic is your church, if this is, this is it, um, you're a part of this, this family, this tribe, uh, I want to pray about three things together for the next 21 days. Uh, you ready? It was resounding. I'm, you're so ready. Okay. Nobody responds these days. Thank you. All right. Why did I do this one first? Gosh, I'm nervous for this one. Um, a home. A home. We've been, we've been mobile for four years now. And listen, as mobile goes, this is pretty nice, right? Uh, G-Kids has it rough, but we got it nice up in here, okay? Um, but there's a cost to it. I find myself more and more saying to Jonathan, to staff members, oh, we, we should, oh, we can't. We can't do that because we don't have a building. We don't have a, we don't have a home. Uh, I find myself saying that more and more often. Um, I want to be honest, so I didn't want to give you this. Kind of fought a little bit on this one. Um, I was praying about what to pray about. And God laid my heart at home. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And you're like, why? Well, okay, so <laughs> weird fact. My dad loves uh, like Revolutionary War, Civil War stuff. So we used to watch movies all the time, like Gettysburg, Glory, all those old movies about uh, wars. There's this line that stuck out. Dad used to say it to us. I don't even know the context. It's a really weird line. Once you hear it, you'll be like, how do you even say that to your kid? I don't know. But he did a lot. And it, was, it was kind of a joke. Um, so he would, it, was, um, it was a line from a, I think, a commander in the Battle of Bunker Hill. I don't know. You can look it up. Uh, don't shoot until you can see the whites of their eyes. That was the line. Uh, so, so don't shoot until the enemy's close enough that you know you're going to hit them, right? And uh, that... That principle, for some reason, is like buried inside of me now. I don't know. Thank you, Dad. You've, it's good, right? Like, don't, don't go too early. You're, you, you need to hit the target, so make sure you hit the target. And like, that's what, when God's like, pray for a home, I was like, well, we're not ready for that yet. And we're not close enough yet. Like, I don't want to tell y'all that we're praying for a home and then have you come bug me three months later. Because I don't know. Like, I just, I told God, like, we're not ready. And God's like, what now? <laughs> I like, well, we don't have like the stuff we need to do the thing. It's like, you, oh, so it's, it's impossible then, right? Yes. And since when has impossible ever stopped him? So a home, pray for a home. Uh, no idea how he would do it, what it would look like. And I don't just want... <laughs> I want it to be something that would enable us to do the thing we're called to do better, for it to be a tool to use to reach people in this city. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't just want, don't, don't send me an email with some like barn, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like bigger prayers, bigger prayers. 
Maybe. Thank you. Thank you. We need a home. We need a home. So let's pray for that. Let's pray for God to do something there. Uh, second thing that I want us to pray for is, is uh, connection here with us our, as a church, connection, community. Um, this year has been designed to divide us and push us apart, right? Divide in every which way, ideological, uh, to push apart because we're like not allowed to go to each other's houses and stuff like that. This, this year was designed, by the way, we set out in 2019 to become more of a cohesive unit. That was like one of the things we set out to do and then Satan said, no, and, and like, well done, sir, you, you, you got us on that one. So I'm not done with that. We still need to be more connected. I believe that God's church is meant to be connected and unified and is supposed to be a tribe, a family feel. I don't want you to just come. I, I want to be connected. So pray for that. Pray for that, that we would be connected. Um, and then the last thing, pray uh, for passion in our mission, passion in our mission here. Um, I think it's easy for a church to lose its way as it goes, to forget the why as you get caught up in the how and the what. Um, but I don't want that for us. Having these realizations as I get more gray hairs and uh, that sometimes it's easy to get like complacent and be like, all right, you know, we're doing it. But I never want to forget like our why. We are, we are a stand at the door church, right? We stand at the door and, and we show people the, the door. We, we hey, hey, you, you, you need to get in here. We, we don't go all the way in, we stand at the door. That's what, we're, that's what we're about here. We're a front lines church. We're a church for people who don't think churches are them. And by the way, every single statistic I read says that number grew huge this year. The pond we're fishing in just got stacked, okay? We have tons of people who have decided church isn't for them and we're built for that we're built for that so I never want us to get to this place like I had this realization man I was praying and I was like I have you guys know forgive me if you're watching online you guys know I have beef with, with like churches that don't do anything and um I started thinking about it, and I get all salty about it. You only go there because you like the music and you like the people and you're comfortable with the preaching. And then I had this God say to me like, well, how do you know that's not you? I was like, yeah. well, our music is cool. <laughs> and God's like, for now. And I was like, Shh, I can't tell God to shut up. Okay. Um, but I started thinking, man, like, I never want us to come to this church because you think the music's cool and you like it and you get to talk to your little people and hopefully you like the preaching and all that. I don't want you to come here for that. I want you to know that, hey, we're, we're here for a mission. There are people in this city and in the city you live in that need Jesus and we're here for that. So if you just get caught up, man, that, that's what we're here for. I, I'm not... So if this is your home, it's your first time here, welcome. Um, but if, if this is your home, like, I don't want you to just come and be like, hey, this is awesome, this is great, I love my church, awesome. Well, find those people in your life who don't know Jesus and don't, don't want anything to do with church and, and work on them. That, you're here for a reason. You're here to, for the seats next to you that are, by God's grace, open right now. And, and I want to keep inviting people and keep seeing people come to him. That's why we're here. So passion in that mission. I never want to get complacent in that. All right, worship team, come up here and play an awesome song. <laughs> so I, I, I really want to encourage you to participate in this.
to give something up in the physical to connect in the spiritual. I hope you'll take this journey with me. I'm, I'm excited and nervous at the same time. I want to pray for some things to move that would otherwise not move if we didn't do this. So it's a, it's a hunger strike against hell here, guys. We're, we're taking a battering ram to the gates. We are fixing bayonets and charging right now. And I, man, I, I hope, I hope, I hope you come with me.